Welcome to the Pickleball Addiction Podcast. Today I'm pleased to invite Rodri Oliver. Rodri has been around pickleball for a while and started a pickleball club in London 18 months ago that already has over 100 players. Rodri was also a member of the winning Pickleball Addiction MLP style team at the English Nationals and was instrumental in getting the team over the line and earning him the MVP for the competition. Welcome Rodri. Hello Mark. How are you? I'm good thank you, how are you? It's good. It's nice to speak to you after this time. I mean, I think, we, well, the last time I saw you was at the at the Nationals. I think we've spoken since, so it's good, good to speak to you. Yes, again. no, and um, I still remember our glorious victory on that Thursday <laughs> that will remain in my heart forever. <laughs> it was a good day, and we'll, we'll come to that. It'll be, it'll be good to have a little bit of a chat about that and get your perspective. Um, but in short, apart from that introduction that I've just given you, um, for people that haven't um, spoken to you before, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I live in West London in Acton. Um, as you mentioned, I set up a pickleball club a, a little while ago, which has grown from nothing to to a bit over a hundred players, and we we enjoy playing on a, a Friday, a Sunday, and a Monday. Um, always looking for for new courts or or slots because it's it's difficult to find places that let you book out enough space for people to play but um, we're, we're a keen bunch enjoy our enjoy our pickleball um, and then in my spare time I have my full-time job as a tax consultant um, so yeah do that as well but obviously pickleball has has become uh, a real love of mine so ah, great so when, when did you actually start playing pickleball uh, about two years ago well probably slightly more now maybe two and a half years ago discovered it in um, Cromer North Norfolk uh, where my mother introduced it to me. Okay, okay. And then I assume you then started attending a club in London, local to where you are after that? Well, yeah, I think as quite a few players have found, I, I went back home and then looked for where I could play and there wasn't really anywhere nearby. And then I had the crazy idea Well, I thought, well, if I can't go somewhere to play, I'll make somewhere to play and they can come to me. Uh, and didn't realise that that was going to become a significant portion of my life. So, so there we are. But it, oh. it's worked. I play a lot of pickleball. So, right, right, okay. So, you, so you didn't even really start attending, go to a club regularly in London. You just, just decided. No, to I do now go to um, Louise Stevens in New Malden occasionally. But even that's sort of half an hour to forty-five minutes, depending on the traffic. So. Uh, the benefits of setting up your club is you can choose somewhere proximate to you. So it's, it's a five minute drive to my club, which is, <laughs> is much more preferable. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that is, that is very good. I mean, I'm lucky, my, my, my local one's 10 minutes away, so I kind of got, got away with it. So, but yes, I don't have to go through this, the pains of starting my own club <laughs> to, to get <laughs> to play. But okay, well, tell us a little bit more about the club you started in, in London. So it's, it's in Acton, is that itself as well? That, that's right, yes. So um, it's by Acton Town Tube Station, for those who, who are familiar with the Piccadilly and the district line. Um, it's uh, at a school just off, it's literally two minutes walk from that station at a, a dual-use sports centre um, at Acton High School. Um, and we now also hire the sports hall at Twyford School, which is just down the road from there, so probably another 10 minutes walk, um, which Ooh. is where we do our Monday nights, because there aren't spaces that at the most local club. Um, 
So, yes, no, I kind of jumped in with both feet. So I bought myself four nets and 32 paddles and lots of balls and then hired four corks for four hours on a Sunday. And then, obviously, there was actually no one who wanted to play at that stage because no one knew it existed. <laughs> um, so my first few <laughs> sessions were pretty heavily lost making, having thrown away you know, my life savings on, on pickleball equipment and pickleball hire. Um, so I think I had four people on my first one. I think it dipped as low as three, and that was my nadir. Um, and then from there, it has, you know, very slowly built up. And then, um, you know, as pickleballs become more popular as well, it's it's sort of gone quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so we got we get quite a lot of new player inquiries. We're probably at the stage where we need another night a week to cater for everyone. But as you know, you get people on holiday or get injured or move away. So it's we're at a nice balance at the moment. Yeah. So um, how many courts are at the, the, the locations you play at then now? Both have four. Both have four. Okay. Yeah, yeah four wooden badminton courts. Yes, lovely wood, wooden badminton courts <laughs> that we love. Okay. Um, all right. And uh, we mentioned before coming... Yeah, before starting to record that you say you don't have a membership for your club is that no membership at all no annual membership no just just court hire no, is it no no so people can come along and play whenever they like they just have to sign up on on the app to make sure i know they're coming um so i suppose that's the only real i, mean, I have a couple of people who get special treatment because one one chap doesn't have a, a mobile phone or a computer so he gets a, he gets an alternative booking system but most people have to sign up onto the app and um and just say they want to come and then pop along and you know i know i know most of my members pretty well now because or not members because there's no membership but you know what i mean most most of the people who come along i know pretty well and we've got a good good tight group and we're always getting some new people and bring them in we go for drinks afterwards and hang out and we did a 50th birthday party for one of our players yesterday who turned nice. 50 and came along to celebrate it by playing pickleball for four hours. Of course. Um, so, so yeah, so we're, we're like a, I don't know, we're like a, a gang <laughs> more than a, more than a club. We, we just gang. rock up and play pickleball and then, <laughs> yeah, the Acton pickleball gang and then, um, and then we then we go get drinks or or hang out and yeah no it's good but no no annual membership fee no sort of no sort of structure like that it's a benign dictatorship under my rule um <laughs> i've got uh i've got three other people who've qualified as coaches now so we take it in turns to run sessions um and we do deliver a little bit of coaching um just for people who who want to to learn a bit um but most of it's either competitive ladder play or social play okay we'll we'll dig into that a little bit uh, in a little while the, the other question i have for you is um so you have 100 people i guess they're not all turning up or over 100 people they're not all turning up at the same time um but you know how many people do you generally have sort of turning up for a session and how do you manage making sure that everyone gets you know a good amount of time on the court so for four courts we limit it to 24 people mm -hmm. um and that is the maximum and it works i have a, a rather unique manual court allocation system uh, whereby i simply decide 
who's going to play next and with whom yeah. and against whom and try and match people up based on what I think is going to be an exciting match or give them someone new to play with, um, which, you know, no system is perfect, but generally it's well received. Occasionally I get the odd nudge that I might have paired someone with the same person twice, but, you know, it's it's hard in the heat of the moment as you're writing down 24 names within 10 minutes and working out the new permutation, but it it's, um yeah, it works. Uh, but 24 is definitely the maximum I'd recommend because at that stage you've got two games on one game off so you know it becomes much better for people obviously not for me but much better for people if only 20 people come then you're only off for one in five games rather than one in three so um the the numbers improve a lot yeah uh, as you get close to 16 people um uh, for mondays we do what we call the ladder um so that's when i allocate four people per court you play three matches, one with each person, best of three games up to 11. So that's meant to be more akin to like tournament practice. So you're learning to play to a number. And because it's best of three, you also have that bit of mentalness where, you know, if you've lost your first game, you get a chance to reset and, and try and change your tactics to, to get back yeah. in it. So, so that's quite okay. good for a bit of tournament practice, relatively so- new. So for those, before um, you go, so for those who don't understand like a ladder and how that works and what it is, can you ex- explain that? Hi, Mark Mars here. I hope you're enjoying the show. This podcast is sponsored in part by the Pickleball Addiction Store and newsletter. To support the show, please check out the Pickleball Addiction Store at pickleballaddiction.co, where we stock a wide range of paddles, balls, nets, and other accessories. Use coupon code POD10, that's P-O-D-1-0, to get 10% off your first purchase. You can also check out the Pickleball Addiction newsletter at pickleballaddiction.news where we cover the latest news in pickleball from the UK and around the world. Thanks for your support and now back to the show. Yeah, so broadly speaking, you, Mark, have asked to play ladder today, actually, because it's Monday. We've got ladder today. Um, And I don't know how you'd play, so I would stick you on the, the bottom court, court four to start with, and you would play against three other players. Um, you'd play with each of those three players. Um, and then depending on your results in each game, I would allocate you points. So it goes wins, game difference, points difference. Uh, and if you happen to be a superstar and win your three games, you would obviously have won your box. And then next week when you asked to play the ladder, assuming there was space to let you in, because heavily oversubscribed, um, <laughs> then, then you would go up a court to court three and play some people who are more experienced and then repeat the process. So I did have one chap who joined the ladder, hadn't seen him play before, put him on court four, uh, and uh, he won court four, then he won court three, then he won court two, and today is his debut on court one. So wow. we'll see, see how that goes for him. Um, so, so yeah, but that's how I do it. And if I've seen you play, then, you know, I'll try and put you on a court that I think is going to give good games for everyone. Um, but sometimes you know i haven't really seen them play much so it's, it's hard to judge straight away and then i let the let the jungle laws apply and, and see how it goes <laughs> okay that, i mean that sounds great i mean that's just because adds an extra dimension to like coming out for a club night doesn't it and gives you a bit of something to to work to and aspire for so yeah i really like uh, the idea of that we don't do that at our club but i'd like to that would be really good and kind of helps ensure more competitive games a little bit right yeah d- downsides are you have to make sure your people turn up 
Mm. Which, to be fair, I haven't. I've only had one session so far where I lost a person to unexpected circumstances. And because I take the session I played in as the fourth player. But if you lost more than one person, then you're going to have a whole court that can't play, which is a disaster. So that's it's a bit of bit risky. But as long as you make sure that people are really aware that you know it needs to be a, a very serious situation to prevent them from getting to you, um, yeah. then it, it's yeah. I didn't think uh, yeah I didn't think about that. So yeah, it's the same people each. So do you, is that still twenty four people or is that? No, no, 16. So 16, that's, that's the, the problem. Just a six straight 16. Right, yeah. court, so if someone drops out, then someone's not... A whole court's duffed over because yeah. um, they can't play their, their doubles matches. So, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that so that's, that's the dance. You can't... You know, people are a bit flaky sometimes on social play, and that doesn't matter so much because you've always got more than 16 anyway, so it doesn't stop a court operating. But, um, but for ladder, you you can't afford any any flaky people they need to yeah. they need to turn up and play i assume you're going to be you know you'll be playing as well so is it you just do all this at the start of the session and work out like a whole bunch of games so that people can kind of just work their way through them or are you just doing it i mean because assumably if somebody's waiting for a game next and you're on court you know how's that going to work no it it's basically a full-time job <laughs> during the course of the session so if i've got 24 people it's very unlikely i'll play right. um I'll, I might play the last game because then I don't have to work out the next set of permutations because that's it, we're finished. Um, if it's if it's fewer than 24, sometimes I can get away with ad-libbing a game. So I, I put myself on and I, I get a game and then I, I broadly know what I'm going to do in the next one so I can ad-lib it at the end of the, the round. But, uh, but no, the big disadvantage for me, I suppose, is that I don't play very much under this system because I spend my whole time working out uh, who's going to be playing next. Um, that being said, though, you know, I do enjoy watching all of my players play. So, so I, it's, it swings and roundabouts. I, um, yeah. I don't get to play as much as I'd, I'd like, but I also, the reason I can do the system is because I've watched everyone play and get a feeling for how the different players play against each other and the styles and so on. And, and hopefully that helps inform future permutations yeah okay that makes sense so you run socials you run ladder do you have anything any other kind of permutations of what you do you have do you run any leagues or uh, other competitions as well? the, the only other thing we do is coaching so we have a two-hour coaching session on a on a sunday for for eight people or up to eight people okay um yeah i i do very occasionally run a box league um that tried and tested format that pops up every now and again so six people on a court uh you're playing 15 matches overall 10 you're playing 10 of a total of 15 matches overall yeah um haven't run those for a little while but probably do another one um in january or february okay okay sounds good um so what what have you found most rewarding about starting starting a club um well if any of the people who are in my club are watching this ever, they'll know I'm not actually a very social person and <laughs> I wasn't expecting to to spend lots of time hanging out with people. Um, but running my, my little club has meant that I've spent a lot more time socialising with people than I previously would have done. Um, <laughs> So, so that's been quite nice. I couldn't have dreamed that I'd have been like organising a Christmas party or a 
or an anniversary party we did and obviously we did Kyle's birthday party yesterday and we go for drinks most times and and it's been really good and fun and made friends so that's that's been the best thing about it is you know we're an eclectic group of people but you know we all go get a drink and hang out and got our whatsapp group and there's lots of good banter and um yeah, no, it's a it's a good it's a good bunch of people. So that's yeah. that's kind of the thing I've enjoyed most. I the second most enjoyable thing has been I mean, we were pretty rubbish to start with, if I'm honest. You know, no one no one was very good, including me. Um yeah. and seeing the standard improve has been really nice. You know, we're not a super duper club yet, but you know, we can turn out a team that that can get places and and we've got better depth and people are getting better across the board on all their skills and that's really satisfying to you know there's nothing like watching a good pickleball point and cheering from the sidelines and there's a lot more cheering now than there was six months ago um, yeah. because because the standard is getting better so yeah yeah it's great i mean i love the way you're talking about it you know you're it, it sounds like almost i mean family's wrong but you know your, your gang um, that you actually care about, like how how they're doing. I mean, uh, often with sports clubs, you know, there's someone running it, but everyone's individuals and they're free to do what they want. And they, you know, of course, within under your dictatorship, they're free to do what they want. But but you know, you you're, it sounds to me like you you know you actually look you're trying to raise the the level for everybody within the club a little bit. It sounds like people want that. You know, you managed to do some social stuff as well, so it feels much more like a it sounds like hey i want to join it sounds like a nice gang no 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 it's good i, I thoroughly recommend it no no membership fee <laughs> yeah that's good that is good and yeah okay but uh yeah it sounds yeah i like i like what you're doing it sounds it sounds really good so what's been the most challenging thing about um starting the club um i suppose two things one you know, getting people to play pickleball, and I don't want to sound like a pickleball snob because I'm one of those people who doesn't play proper pickleball sometimes. I'm as guilty guilty as the rest of those tennis players that come in. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's sometimes frustrating trying to get, because our club is a group of people who haven't played a lot of competitive pickleball, and so they haven't had that bruising experience that I got early on where you go and you think, if I just whack everything really, uh-huh. really hard, then I'm going to win. And it doesn't work like that. And there are a lot of nuances and subtleties to the game that, that you don't appreciate when you first join. It's just trying to encourage. We're still a, we're still a club of predominantly bangers. I mean, we've got, we, we are improving our thinking. <laughs> we are. But in the heat of the moment, and people will know who they are, in the heat of the moment, when you've got that choice between another dink or going for the passing shot, you know, our club is 90% going to go for that passing shot. And so trying to trying to build that dimension to the game is hard because if you don't have people who already do it, it's hard to see why you would do it yourself. And so, uh, you know, we're trying to organise friendly matches or we played against the Cambridge Pickleball Club um, and got trashed actually. They they gave us a good hiding. Um, partly because they had this extra dimension to their game that, that a lot of us don't have yet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that's a bit that's a bit frustrating and then the only other thing is you know you always have the old person who doesn't get on with another person and just you know trying to add that into my permutation <laughs> um matrix is is just a, another level but i mean people like if you throw a bunch of people together you always have some personality clashes and um we have an astonishingly low number considering the number of people there are who regularly play so i'm i'm quite impressed and and people do get on very well yeah. so but everyone's coming together for the same interest i guess which probably probably helps yeah yeah so uh, that, that leads me on to a question and we'll talk a bit more about the MLP later but did, from what you've just said then did you find that playing in the MLP style tournament made you more disciplined than you ordin ordinarily are about playing you know, proper pickleball? Uh, so I like to think that in tournaments I, I try to be disciplined uh -huh. when I play um, I am probably to the to the banger side of the spectrum still in terms of my style um and i do like i do like to have a go if i can yeah um <laughs> so but but yeah but in tournaments i i do try i do try to be disciplined and not not let that get the better of me if if i'm playing it my worst tendencies come out in social play when you know it's a bit of fun and yeah, yeah. you feel like going for that outlandishly one in a hundred shot just because it doesn't matter if you miss it um <laughs> and that's that's probably where i really show my true colors in terms of a lack of discipline so <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah i think I, well most of us are a bit like that i guess when you're getting up to the pro level then you, you're probably going to start doing that so much but i think everyone's got that in them right everyone wants to go for that shot that shot that dream shot yeah, so. yeah. tell us a little bit about your coaching sessions then and how you structure those and well yeah i mean how you know how people get kind of invited onto that and they actually maybe you can just turn up but this problem with coaching and stuff you know there's going to be limited spaces but then also now, how, how do you structure kind of the, the sessions that in terms of drilling and is it a long-term view on you know, improving people's game T tell us about that um so it's a little tricky because it is a free-for-all so sometimes i've got a mix of people who've been to quite a few sessions and then some who are either new and haven't been to many or some people just want to have two or three sessions and then they want to play social play they just want to get up to a standard where they think they can they can play socially um so so i i tend to structure it differently depending on who's attending um, and if there's a predominance of people who've been to previous sessions and I'll obviously try and cover something new. Um, so yesterday was a good example. I actually split it between we drilled serving and third shot drops, always drilling some sort of dink or drop, not that it tends to follow through into the social play. Thank you guys. Um, but yeah, we, we're always very good at our dinking and, and third shot yeah. dropping just before start our matches and then it goes out the window um but then we did we did about an hour on tactics so i introduced people to stacking um and switching uh and nice. how you might target a particular player and what you might do if your partner's being targeted um so we spent a bit of time doing that and that was quite that was good fun to watch a lot of a lot of failed switches <laughs> moving too early moving too late <laughs> not yeah. not noticing that your partner's <laughs> going to switch and both, both being on the same side, but it's um, 
I think it's really important that people try to use those tactics if they can, because it, firstly, it builds your camaraderie with your partner. And secondly, I mean, it's a lot of fun when it works, right? If you pull off a pull off a switch correctly and taken by surprise, there, there's nothing really more satisfying in the world than than that. So, um, so yeah, oh, so we yeah. had quite a lot of fun doing doing that yesterday. Awesome, that sounds great. So that that was the main tactic, was it, in terms of your if your weaker partner's being targeted? Talking about that, or you we did go further into that? It was weaker and... partner targeting the weaker player, and um, on one of the permutations, it was targeting the backhand. Uh-huh. Uh, but I did give, I gave bespoke tactics to each pair. So depending on who they were playing, I told right. them what I thought I nice. would do if I were playing. So I had one pair that was trying to draw the other pair into a short game because the other pair liked hitting it hard. Yeah. Um, that hard hitting pair, I told them to focus on the dinking pair's backhands because they tended to pop it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then the other pair, it was a, it was two two pairs where targeting the weaker player was probably the call. So it was then them trying to work out how to switch and change it up to stop the other pair from, from targeting their, their weaker player. And also not trying to... So I sometimes think, particularly if you're a tennis player, you think it's a failing to be the weaker player or it's, it's, a, it's a bad place to be or you're not going to get many shots. But <laughs> as anyone... As anyone who's been the weaker player, um, and I had that experience on that Thursday, if anyone's had the experience of being the weaker player on the court, you know, you've got a job to do. You've got a job in your little your little chunk of court, and you'll get lots of balls, I promise you, because yeah. the other side don't want to hit it to the other player. So don't worry about not, not seeing enough of a ball. You'll, you'll see plenty of it. So, um, so just, just trying to get people to realise that actually... It's a, it's simply just a different role. It's not, yeah. It's not like you're you're less important. You're just you're just playing a different a different yeah. instrument on the court. Yeah, I like that. I like that about pickleball that challenge where where it's not that everyone's the same skill and you know it adds an extra dimension. And I actually quite like the fact that if you're the stronger player that you've got to try and get yourself into the game like because they're constantly hitting it at the weaker player. And that's a challenge in itself. And sometimes it can be incredibly frustrating to like be that player that's the stronger player and never get to see the ball. And, but that's up to you to then try and make that happen. And I, I, like, I like that. And then being the weaker player, like you say, you, you're playing the, the, the role of support in a way and letting that other person do their thing. I, I like that as, as, a, as an aspect of the game, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. I mean, it's a factor. It's a fact of matches, so you have to get used to it because it's not going to change. No, and if you don't, if you don't, if you don't adapt to the situation, then then you will put your team at a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something that's that's quite interesting. I was speaking to um, um, Brian Lim. He 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 uh, create, he runs a podcast called Building Pickleball. So he, he will be the episode before you. So if anybody's listening to this episode and wants to go back and listen to that, then you can. It's not out just yet. So I know you're an avid listener of the podcast, uh, Rodri, so you would have heard it if it was out. But um, um, Of course, several times. <laughs> but Brian, um, he, yeah, he's, he runs his uh, YouTube channel on a podcast. He's based out of the US. Uh, he started it about a year ago. Um, but he used to do MMA fighting like before that and martial arts taekwondo i think it was 
and uh, he was talking about you know taking some of the learnings from coaching in that into pickleball which is not going and fighting your opponent but uh, it's about the fact that doing repeated tasks in a controlled environment is not necessarily the most optimal way because you're not really you never get that when you're just feeding people the ball that's not the same as being in in real life competition okay you get to practice the mechanics maybe of a shot but it's not it's not real life and he was talking about um, I can't remember what he what he called it now, but he's looking to kind of um, have a different kind of methodology for coaching in terms of it, it actually it's more creative of uh, of those real life environment environments, and that doesn't mean just playing rec play all the time and playing games all the time. It's, there is still structure to it, but it's actually kind of trying to make it more like in real gameplay than just having the ball fed to you by a ball machine or something the same same place over and over again yeah so it, it should be interesting to see uh yeah to see what he, what he comes up with on that because i can totally get it like and you know you probably have this with, with your guys like you say everyone's great at doing the third shop drops in the in the drilling right because it's just like everyone's just like here you go here you go <laughs> and it's just the same shot over and over again but when you when you and someone then sm smashes it at you you know, on their second shot, and it's you. You know, maybe you're reaching for a whatever, and then trying to do it. It's not the same as what you've just been practicing. So, it's a it's no, a, yeah, it's yeah. A no. I I completely agree with that. I do think at a at a um, improver and beginner level, repetition is the key to building a strong foundation on your shots. But I agree that you know what you you can only go so far playing in a controlled environment. Um, but yes, but I, I do think you need to you need to hit that ball like a thousand times. I always forget when I have a beginner and I'm I'm like, well, there you go. I've shown you how to do it and you've done it like twice. So you should be able to just repeat that ad nauseum. And you think, well, actually, you know, I've seen thousands of pickleball shots come at me by now. So there, there's there's a what's it, what's it the Russians say? There's a quality to quantity. And I think um, I think that applies to pickleball as well. You know, if you've hit five thousand shots, you are more likely to be able to hit five the thousand five thousand and first than if yeah. you've hit fifty shots. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think yeah. There's no. It's not to say that it's not valuing just drilling that kind of stuff. But it's kind of it's kind of interesting that he had a different take on it. But um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that feeds into tennis or whatever like i assume tennis players do similar kind of drills which are repeat, repeating the same stuff over and over again so i don't know well, well i'm interested yeah, to see what comes US up coaching. i think in u.s coaching they aim to have their players hit 300 shots in an hour okay that's the that's the mark of having done enough play in a coaching session i think in the uk we probably don't get very close to that in terms of number of shots people play in an hour um so i don't know it, it's uh horses for courses yeah yeah okay um interesting to hear like how you promote the club if if you do in any any particular way how does how do new people find you uh i don't really promote the club um it's kind of word of mouth um I'm an evangelist when I meet anyone, so <laughs> you'll know I play pickleball if I meet you, um, yeah. and I'll tell you about my club. But uh, but no, I don't do anything 
you know, structured in terms of trying to promote it. Um, I kind yeah. of find that I get the the right sort of person turn up when they've come from one of the people I already know who who plays. So, um, so we've had we've had a few new people come along because they played or they're a neighbour of one of the people who plays. <laughs> or um, so it, so yeah, it's nice and that helps with the sort of social side because there's already a bond there and. And so people, you know, fit in more quickly and don't feel awkward about coming to drinks afterwards and so on. So I think it's it's nice like that. Yeah. yeah. So that begs the question, how did you get the first few people to come? Were they people you knew? <laughs> uh, well, I'm a member of my local tennis club. Uh, so I basically press ganged a few of them into coming along. Uh, most of whom didn't survive the process, the transformation. They <laughs> they went back to playing tennis, yeah. um, but a couple stuck, uh, and one of them who will remain nameless because she wouldn't want me to name her on this. Um, but she she was um, well, she still is a member of a tennis club, um, but she has become much more focused on her pickleball, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, she was one of the first people probably session three or session four of my club and she's been there ever since and she's probably the longest standing member if you know in that loose that loose way i use that term mm. um so so yeah so that was that was how i got the first couple and then i just kept going i obviously i put it on the pickleball england website um, oh yeah yeah through Gary mitchell uh, and I, I think a few people found it through there as well um, and contacted me Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, it just sort of went from there, really. So are you still playing tennis? I do. I do still play some tennis, yeah. Yeah, OK. In fact, I've got to play tennis this afternoon. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. OK, so, yeah, so you, you still have kind of a happy mix of tennis and tennis and pickleball then, do you, generally? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like 75% pickleball. OK. Usually 100% tennis. Now it's seventy-five percent pickleball, so that's mm -hmm. that's how my life changed. <laughs> okay, all right, great. And um, yeah, so I guess another question I have for you is then, well, I, I guess not because it's word of mouth. But um, now, are you doing anything to try and attract like younger players, more youth players to to the club? Do you have uh, any? No. I mean, do you have any younger players generally? Like, what sort of the age? Yes, yeah, um, we do. Um, uh, we've got a really good mix of ages, actually. I think our oldest player is 81, um, and our youngest player is 11. Okay. Um, and we've got we've got everything in between. Um, we've got probably a concentration of players in their sort of early 40s, late 30s. Um, but we're, yeah, yeah. No, we we have a mix all the way through. We've got some in their 20s. Um, early 30s, I'm early 30s, 40s, obviously Carl turned 50, so we've got some in their 50s, at least one in their 50s. <laughs> um, uh, and then, and yeah, and yes, I'm even older than that, 60s. I don't know if anyone in their 70s, I don't think. <laughs> I think we go from 60s to 80s. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, we have a really, we have a really diverse mix of players and it's a good balance of men and women as well. Um, so, so yes, I haven't done anything particular to, to try and do that. I'm, I'm happy for whoever wants to come and play to play. 
Um, but but yes, yeah. So I don't do anything specific. We just sort of have a happy coincidence of a broad range of players. Yeah. So if someone was thinking of starting a club themselves, um, you know, maybe because they want one that's local to home, like yourself. But yeah, you know, what's the, what would you say to them? What's the couple of kind of recommendations that kind of pop to mind as a, a learning from yourself? Uh, well, the first thing I'd say is just be prepared for it to take up a lot more time than you initially expect. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it does. Uh, and also, if there's only one of you, I would consider getting more than one of you before you start. Okay. Uh, just because, you know, I, and one of the reasons we've got our other three qualified coaches now is because I was finding once I'd started doing Fridays and Sundays, and now Mondays, actually, if I do every session, I never get a holiday, ever. <laughs> and, yeah, right. and also, if I do take a holiday and then I cancel the sessions, then everyone's quite sad because they wanted to play pickleball and, and I'm kind of a single point of failure. Um, so so I definitely recommend if you can find, find a couple of like-minded people to help, um, then it makes a it makes a big difference because you know you can still you don't feel bad about going away at the weekend or something which you know i don't think apart from to go and play pickleball tournaments i don't think i've gone away for a weekend for well a long time um as my wife will attest but you know next year that will change a bit because um because with with all all our different coaches now we're gonna take it in turns to take different sessions and um and then we can we can all have a break. Um, so yes, that would be my first recommendation: is see if you can't find a like-minded friend. Clearly, if you can't, I'm not saying don't set up your club. I did like 18 months of no, that's 18 months is how long I've been going. I did I did about a year of of it without you know any significant help, and and I've loved it, and it's been great, and I've loved watching it grow. Um, and you just say, well, you know, this week we're not going to be running pickleball because I'm away, and and that's just yeah. how it is. Um, I guess you can just recruit but, some of those early members, like uh, yeah, early recruit on, right? a few early members, yeah. and and start small. Don't do what I did and book out four courts at the cost of a hundred and ninety-two pounds a week when you've only got three players. Because um, yeah. you'll find that it's quite expensive to maintain that <laughs> that booking yeah. over a long period of time if you don't have enough players coming to to break even which was which was the case for me for uh probably six months i didn't have enough players to break even i plowed a good chunk of good chunk of my money into into subsidizing play at the club um so and i could have been better organized that more smartly so that it didn't need to be quite such a such a painfully financially adverse um, yeah. experience as a labor of love so yeah so those that, that's the, those things more time more people less money spent are the three recommendations i'd have mm -hmm. okay <laughs> sounds good all right so let's talk about the uh, mlp mlp style event at the nationals then uh, for a minute um just to set the scene for people that have not heard about it or did not go um on the thursday of the english nationals up in bolton um there was an mlp style event 
in which we had team-based competition. There was uh, a drafting um, exercise about a week before the, the actual competition itself in which players had put themselves forward to be part of the event and uh, there was a draft to, for the teams to pick their players. So I was the team manager and I drafted the players and Rodri was the first player drafted uh, from on that in that draft um, but then you know it's, it's it's all all range of players well I say all range of players generally that you know higher level players but you know the, the top players were playing in there as well you know like you know, that year and Louis and uh, Freddie and uh, all of those kind of people so um, so you know the level of competition was good for sure and, and high um, but it was also great fun so there was eight teams uh, in total split into two groups and the top two, I think, from each group went through into like a semi-finals and then a final. And I was sponsoring a team, as I mentioned, and our team won, um, and Rodri was in there. So now I've set the scene. Rodri, it'd be great to hear, like, you know, your experience of, the, of that day and, and the rollercoaster of emotions you went through. Uh, well, um, it was only up, that rollercoaster, really. Uh, because we did win every match, so we were yep. we were pleased with that. Um, big help having Thadia, the UK number one lady, uh, mm-hmm. playing on our side. That that was that was certainly an asset for the team. Um, and then we had Mark and Elaine as well. And I mean, actually, I didn't play with Elaine uh, because of the way the format works. But I mean, it was it was really really good fun. And I thought you know all four of us got on on really well from the start and and played really well together actually so um yeah it was it was great really really enjoyed myself um and obviously it was only thanks to our manager that we were able to perform as well as we did the cohesion that mr mars brought to the team from the outset was extraordinary uh, the tactics he was giving us the pre-match speeches um and you know giving a few tips i saw him you know change Thaddeus backhand tell her tell her how to hit her forehand a bit better and I, I think she took it on board and it just just blew blew the opposition away as a result so uh, all credit all credit to the team manager yeah i mean the, yeah, no it was more luck than judgment but the chemistry for the team was, was really good and I, when i was talking to Thaddeus about it when i interviewed her on the podcast a few weeks ago the the team you did all just seem to gel pretty well together even like on the court as well and again like lucky but but it did it did seem that it all, all came together like pretty well very good as a team <clears throat> yeah well I'd, I'd met mark and elaine but well elaine plays down at new malden so i've met her quite a few times so we already knew each other mm-hmm. um and i'd played mark in a really fun match um up in cambridge uh a few months earlier as well so we sort of we sort of knew each other a bit as well um and he did deploy his legendary slice backhand uh, which i think the commentary described as the best slice backhand in the country yeah um so so yeah so uh so yeah so that was yeah I, we had the foundations of a good chemistry and uh, it certainly carried through yeah yeah i mean i didn't have to face that slice of, of course but I thought the other thing, the good thing about Mark, he's just a consistency machine, isn't he? Like he just he's like a wall. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, well, as well, you know, Thaddea said about your good self on that day. You're a great player, and you just need to believe in yourself a bit more. So, um, 
I think that's true from what I saw on the day. You were very uh, judgmental of yourself, but you played brilliantly. And, uh, you know, what, you know, what's your response to Thaddea on that? Uh, well, I'm very grateful for her comments. <laughs> Would be my response. Um, but uh, I know what happened on that court. I know what I had to guard. I know what Thaddea had to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I played my small part in... In our ah, you're doing it again. Uh, you're doing it again. <laughs> but, but no, no, it was it was really good fun playing with Thaddea. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, and as I was saying earlier about you know playing the support role, it's not a lesser role. It's it's just as important. Um, you just have a different different job to do. And um, and actually, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed playing that role with Thaddea because. Um, yeah. Because it was, yeah, it was just, it was really good. I, you don't have to worry when it goes over the other side. You know, you know it's going to come back, usually yeah. with some venom applied by Thaddea or uh, whoever the oppo are. And um, yeah, no, it was, it was really good fun, um, and I did enjoy it. And I, I do like the the rally scoring format. Not, not as much as I like the traditional format, but it's got a certain, certain. Um, certain charm in terms of yeah. not not being able to give away any three points and i thought as a team we were good at not giving away three points which yeah. um could make the difference sometimes because uh, quite a few of the matches were very close so yeah for sure for sure well if you had a trademark shot if we're talking about mark's slice then yours was the drive down the line i think uh about times i saw you deploy that through the through the different matches and and still get it past everybody and even actually at the high level players when you're on the championship court you know you'll get it you got it past freddie a few times of course like it doesn't always work right and it when it doesn't work <laughs> it's not great but you you, yeah. it, you, you consider, did it enough um and definitely had people thinking about having to cover the line uh you know, against you in that so yeah uh, that would be your trademark shot i think <laughs> yeah i'm on that spectrum over here in the banger, banger part of the step. I do like to, do like to go for a, a hard one if I can. So. Well, and MVP as well, of course, of the competition, which I already mentioned earlier. So you still can't be too harsh on yourself. Um, okay, so in terms of future plans for the for the club, have you got anything that you're planning on changing up? And and in terms of the club, well, so we have just got a bit more court time as i mentioned got a couple more courts on a friday and then we've started the monday thing about a month ago now um so that's been like the next step up and that's i think already broadly been filled by the players we've got um so i will be on the lookout for for another day in the week when we could run a, an evening session but at the moment there's nowhere around me that has a sort of free free chunk of time so um so yes i'm keeping my eyes peeled but at the moment i think we're in a steady state position um obviously training hard ready for the the friendlies and hoping yeah. to enter a, a second team into the uh southeast pickleball league next year okay um so so that would be good uh and and yeah no so um just keep training away until we can get some more court space Great, great. So, do you have a favourite memory since you started, since you first got involved in pickleball? Uh, in short, no. <laughs> um, I have lots, 
lots and lots of great memories. Uh, I don't have a particular favourite memory. Um, there's, you know, I find pickleball to be good fun pretty much all the time. And there's, there aren't many things that put a smile on my face as, as rapidly as a bit of pickleball. So, um, so yeah, so I, I do, I do enjoy, I do enjoy my pickleball. Okay. So, yeah, do you have any other plans in terms of working within Pickleball or is running the club enough? Um, at the moment, running the club is is great. Um, and obviously I've got my actual job as well to do. Um, so, so yeah, I've got a nice, a nice mix, nice mix in my life at the moment. I mean, it'd be nice if one day I could retire and just spend my whole time playing Pickleball, but the moment that we're not we're not there yet no, that um, would be nice <laughs> uh, but that would be that would be lovely I'd, I'd like to go to the states and spend six months going around different pickleball clubs and just playing pickleball but um, oh <laughs> that's a, a distant a distant dream uh until um i can i can save up a substantial sum of money to fund that that yeah. particular that particular venture yeah I thought you were going to say you're going to start playing some of the tour matches. You know, enjoy starting playing some of the tour matches, but going around to all of the clubs that'd be quite quite fun, actually. Yeah, no, that'd be great fun. I think the tour matches might be a bit bruising at this stage, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, I think we kind of look to kind of wrap it up then um, there. But I guess the question for you is like, is there anything that I should have asked you about that I didn't? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, if people want to learn more about the club um, or more about yourself, like where's the best place to follow what you're doing? Um, so they can find us on the Pickleball England website if they want to write or call me. Um, and we do have a slightly in abeyance Facebook page, um, which you could also visit. Uh, but yeah, but if you want to come along and play, then just yeah, send me a WhatsApp or give me a call or send me an email and look forward to, to seeing you on the court. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, I mean, I guess the, the great thing about the way that you do it is that people can just drop in if they happen to be in the area and, and, and play instead of yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Up no, we've had a lot of people on holiday come and play with us and had a few Americans come and visit. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, well, I'll put a link to the Facebook page into the description for the video or the podcast. Um, but otherwise, um, thanks very much for uh, coming on, Rodri. Thank you, Mark.